The beloved ministry is inspired by chapter 7, verse 10 of the Song of Songs. I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. Our aim is to help women, whatever their age or state of life, to come to know their true identity as God's beloved. In this season, we are exploring what it means to be in the world, but not of the world. So wherever you are in the world, we invite you to join us. Just a heads up that today's conversation includes discussions around grief and death, including the topic of suicide. Welcome everybody to this episode of the Beloved Podcast. I can't believe we're already at episode seven of this season where we're talking about being in the world and not of the world. And um, today we're going to be talking about perhaps a bit of an unusual work area. And um, both the ladies who are with me, welcome ladies. <laughs> I'll ask you to introduce yourselves in a moment. Um, are, are both working in the area of grief. And it seems to me that this is a fantastic opportunity to be talking about this during this Easter season. So um, I'm going to welcome you and ask you to introduce yourselves. Hi, my name is Claire. Um, I'm a, a mum and wife, mum of three kids. Uh, and I'm a covenant member of Zion community. Used to work full time in the community and now I've branched out into other areas. Great, and Claire's also, you'll be familiar with her voice as she's part of the um, beloved core team and has been, been part of the podcast before. Uh, welcome, Elaine, it's your first time to the podcast, would it you like is, to tell yes, us a bit about definitely. yourself? So I'm Elaine, I'm also a member of the Zion community, um, I live in Malden, I'm a mother, but I'm a mother of a daughter who's just retired, so that shows you how old I am. Um, I'm also a grandmother. And I am part of the bereavement team at uh, one of the big hospices in Essex. Great. So we're going to hear a bit more about the work that you do in a moment. And I just think um, my sense was we're coming to this conversation that this whole area that we're talking about can be quite difficult for some people. Um, but I think it's also unknown to most of us. So it's a really great opportunity um, to talk about it. So Claire, I wanted to ask you if you could tell us a bit about what area of work you have and did you have a sense of calling to this or, you know, yeah, just tell us a bit about what you do and why. So since, um, it's fairly recent, since last summer, I'm a civil funeral celebrant. Um, so that means that I conduct the ceremony um, for people who have opted to have a civil service, um, which uh, if you're familiar with a civil wedding, uh, it's a bit different to that because in a civil wedding, you can't have any mention of faith. Um, there's no prayers allowed, no scripture readings or anything um, because it's a commitment between two people who are there and they're able to make that decision for themselves that they want to have no, no religion in that or they do want to, in which case they're pointed towards the church. Whereas in a civil funeral, it allows for the fact that everybody who's gathered there is a part of this um, farewell, this sending off, um, this honouring of the person's life. And so it recognises that 
although the person themselves may not have had faith or they may have been in and out of a church relationship or the family may have some people who do believe and some who don't that it recognizes that this is not just about one person and so there is space if people would like to include some level of faith prayer scripture hymns um, to be able to bring that in a bit um, and how did i get involved uh, it's it's an unusual job certainly when people ask me what i do everyone's like what 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 did you say <laughs> Um, but my mum actually has been a civil celebrant since it first became a thing really about maybe 15 years ago and I spent uh, all but the last eight months or so of that thinking I could never do that job um, it must be so sad how do you how do you not get emotional yourself um, how do you kind of yeah how do you work with death all the time and remain same. A joyful person, the same person, yeah, absolutely. Um, how do you not think about all the different ways that people die all the time and become fearful of everything around you? Um, and so I spent a lot of time, a long time really, thinking that I could never do that job. And then I think really it began to change when I lost my own dad um, a couple of years ago. It was kind of towards the beginning of the pandemic, nothing to do with COVID. Um, but I think it was in experiencing grief myself um, that I realised that this is their grief and actually to be able to help someone to grieve well in that moment, to do what they would want to do themselves really, but just not in that emotional place to be able to do it, um, to be able to go and be a compassionate person, to help them say goodbye to their loved one. Um, in a healthy way to be able to include everything that they would like and it is actually a real it's a such a privilege um, and can be a really healthy start to their grieving journey they're adjusting to life without them if they felt that they're able to say goodbye in a way that does them justice um, so I began to feel just a, a massive shift in what I thought the job would be and then I was kind of toying with it and it kept on popping up and obviously my mum's there doing it and so it's easy enough to just get trained at any point. Um, and so I've been, I've been toying with it and I kind of took it to my sharing group and asked, asked them for their prayers in this because it's, it's in a secular world it's, uh, and I've always worked in faith areas. I, I was working in a Catholic school and things so it, it was quite a big step to decide do I want to do this thing that is very much in in a world where people are coming to me because they don't want a church to do this service? Um, and one of the guys in the group just had a word from James um, that says that what God our Father wants is to for us to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Um, and that just felt like a real a confirmation really that I wasn't just kind of jumping on it because there was an opportunity, but actually that opportunity was being given to me. Um, and to, yeah, to, I think it was that shift in realizing that actually there is a calling to work with orphans and widows in whatever way that may be. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's a repeated calling in scripture actually, isn't it? I think yeah. as you're saying it, I'm thinking it's throughout the Old Testament and something that God calls us to. But it's interesting that for you, actually it was after you'd had that experience yourself, yeah that you'd 
engaged with it, which I think is true about this area, isn't it? Many of us haven't necessarily engaged with it. Other people have really <laughs> lost a lot of people and can sometimes get lost in their grief as well. But it's amazing that God's used that for good in your life in yeah, the sense absolutely. that you'll be able to help others. So it'll be great to hear more about, you know, your experience of that. Elaine, how about you? What what work do you do? Because it's different from what Claire's doing, isn't it? Yes, I do uh, what's called bereavement counselling. Um, it's rather a specialist subject for counsellors. Um, so we tend to just concentrate on that. Um, I've been working as a volunteer nurse in the inpatient unit of our hospice for over 20 years. And I was be increasingly having trouble with uh, all the bending and that, um, that was my age and other people's incapacities. And one day I was trying to get a pair of socks on an elderly gentleman and he said, um, just a minute, and he sat himself in the riser recliner and put the legs up and I said, oh, that's absolutely wonderful. Got his socks on and his slippers and it was all lovely. And I said, you know, I think I've got to be thinking about giving up this work because it is getting more difficult for me. And he said, well, you're so good at sitting, listening and talking to people. He said, you know, you've helped me get through my death before I died. Because wow. when I came into the hospice, I was really frightened and, you know, through conversations and... And a lot of actual facts, because people have got all sorts of ideas in their head about what death is, you know, like it's got to be painful and this, you know. Anyway, I then went on um, later on in the day and went up to the restaurant and had some lunch. And I finished up sitting with a table of uh, people from the bereavement team. So I thought, oh, wow, this is the Holy Spirit guiding me. <laughs> yes, I should be giving up doing socks on old men. And, um, yes, so I went on their next training course and got a specialist counselling job with them. Amazing. So do you still do that as part of your work in the hospice? Or is it separate to the hospice? No, I, we get all our uh, clients from the hospice. Um, but the hospice get their clients from all over and yeah so you know it, it, you don't have to be anything to do with the hospice to have bereavement service and how, how many years have you been doing the bereavement counselling um, it's coming on for 10 I think yeah. Wow. Mm. so you've got a lot of experience I mean that was a, a beautiful story actually that the man was saying you, you helped him prepare for death mm. as well as you're helping people get over death in that sense mm. or come through it, you know. Yeah. And, mm. um, I'm sure, like Claire, you've had your own personal experiences of grief and loss, Elaine. Is that something that's led you into this work as well or is it more that it was just... It may well have been um, because, yes, uh, as you get older, you've lost more people and I've lost um, my parents and my husband and my youngest sister, um, you know, sort of, as well as in-laws and other family members. So yes, I suppose, I think I've realised that um, you don't ever get over it. You just learn to live with the grief. Mm, that's important. Um, I think I said to you earlier, it, it's like, dying of being a wife and resurrecting as a widow. 
Mm. And you can have a wonderful life as a widow or widower. Although I've never tried being a widower. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I mean, you just talked there, that symbol of death and resurrection, which just was really in my mind as we were preparing for the podcast, that um, we're in the season of resurrection, but we're only in the season of resurrection because Jesus has gone through the death and the tomb. And we can get lost in Holy Week. I don't know if you have that experience, but for me, like on this year particularly on Holy Saturday, I found it such a difficult day. And, you know, we can be quick into the resurrection or looking forward to it. But sometimes, you know, that's a spiritual journey we make. But, you know, you're talking about that real journey people make through grief, really. And yeah. um, that's that's the kind of faith image you've brought in there in terms of death and resurrection. So perhaps starting with you, Elaine, how does your faith impact your work you know is it something you can bring into what you do almost totally um yes i i have ongoing training um and obviously a supervisor because you have to as a counselor um so i have people to talk about but i'm not allowed to bring up faith in what i do if a client does but I'm not meant to encourage, which I thought I was going to find pretty impossible, but when it actually happened, I don't. What does surprise me is that all these people who say they're not Christian, they haven't got a faith, all have prayed for their loved one before they died, and they know for certain sure they're going into one of these rooms in uh, John's Gospels, you know, that they've got prepared for them. So I, I'd sort of like to study that in a bit more detail if I can get the right client that, having completed a course with her, I could then sort of try and niggle that out as to exactly, is it something that people want to happen? In other words, they don't want to think that their loved one has gone forever and just going to be dust in the ground. or And so it's nice to think you'll meet in heaven one day. Mm-hmm. Um, or do they not believe in a soul or anything? I, that's, you know. So even though you're not technically allowed to, to bring up faith, you're recognising it all the yes, time yeah. in people. Mm, and yeah. Um, yeah, what about you Claire how does it work obviously you've said it's a secular job yeah so I'm I'm receiving I'm working with people who are have specifically chosen me over a church service um and so most of the time I am working with people who um don't have a faith themselves or certainly the person who they've lost they felt they didn't have a faith um but again similarly there's there's all there's often this underlying feeling of it being reunited with their husband or wife who had died years before or, or and a sense of hope that they will be reunited definitely um how is it for me uh, how do i bring my faith into it um is i i feel that although i don't get to speak his name that if if i can I guess embody Jesus, if I can be that compassionate person um, and just be gentle and be 
understanding and really try and, and honour this person's life. Um, I feel like I am in some way living my faith in that room. Um, and then actually during the service itself, I always pray for that person. So even if there's nobody else in that room who is praying for that soul, mm -hmm. I know that they've had a little, <laughs> a good little prayerful send off. Um, and I get to pray for the family as well in their grief because, I mean, obviously losing someone is is awful. But for that person, they've already got like it's nice to pray for them, but that bit's done. Actually, the, the people who are really suffering this in this moment is their family who are, are saying goodbye. So actually, to be able to pray grace for them and that the Holy Spirit will be ministering to them and at work in them, even if they're not able to put God's name to that. Um, I feel like if I can be a prayerful presence in that room, even if the name of God is never spoken, um, then I feel like that's something that I can bring to that family. And I know you've told me before that it's not just you're not just in the room for the funeral, are you? You get welcomed into these people's homes. So actually you have a privileged opportunity of being Jesus' presence yeah. in, in the wake of their Absolutely. loss. And it's... It, it's such a privilege, that, that role of privilege is exactly how I would describe it. Of, um, they're so vulnerable. Like It's not just being welcomed into someone's home to read the electricity meter kind of thing. It's, it's they are at their most vulnerable, um, fragile, hurting, and yeah, they welcome you in f to pour their heart out to you about all the beautiful, lovely things that they remember about their loved one. Um, and it's just, it is such a privilege to hear it and to, to be able to draw out not just, um, not, it's not a sad job, it's really, it's so weird, I really thought that it would be all about death and actually the part that I deal with is actually all about their life, I get to hear the, the funny stories, like there's much more laughter in my time with the family than there are tears, um, because they're thinking of all the the lovely things that they did and all the things that made them laugh and the time that they fell down a hole in the park and, and everyone is, is, is joyful in their remembering. Um, so that's, that is a real privilege. It seems to me that it's about upholding the dignity of that person, Absolutely. isn't it? You know, even if it's divorced from faith in that yeah. moment, you're, you're able to bless the memory of that person and value that, which is in itself a witness. I'm sure that's a challenge you've both mentioned that you know the thought that it would be a challenge not to bring your not to be able to bring your faith into it or but there may be other challenges too can you just talk about like what's difficult for you living out your faith you know maybe that's a personal challenge or in in the context of what you're doing um should we come to you first claire yeah so how how the job itself challenges my faith um or how, how, yeah, any challenges really that you have to deal with and perhaps you bring, <laughs> you then bring to prayer yourself because yeah. that's, because I'm sure there's joyful things but there must be some difficult yeah, things as well. So God's been very good to me so far. I mean, I'm, I've only been doing this job for, what, eight months maybe? Um, maybe not even that long. Um, and I've had a real grace to have largely older men and women who have, lived in a good full life um i mean i've got a funeral coming up this week with a 101 year old lady um and and there's something very 
um, wholesome, I guess, in being able to tell the story of a life well lived. Um, I know that it's not always going to be that. There are going to be tragic circumstances and people dying far too young and children and babies. And, and so far, God's really protected me from that. And I've, I do feel like that has been a, a grace to be able to find my feet in this um, and and feel to, to find the, how positive this world is, I guess, before having to deal with any of that. Um, so I know that on the horizon and some point in the future, um, I know that when I get get lives that feel like they that that God had so much for them, <laughs> and then one awful moment and and that's gone. Like um, there are definitely questions of the injustice and uh, and thankfully, obviously for me coming from a faith perspective. I can hold on to the fact that I know that this isn't the end and that there's a bigger picture than just the life that we leave here, but leave, live. But um, when, you, when you come across a life that was doing so much good, like people who were researching illnesses and, and, and ministering to other people and bringing healing in through their work and then their life gets cut short, it, it definitely will <laughs> raise questions of. Um, how how fair this world is or isn't. And what about you, Elaine? What do you find the challenges are for you? Um, well, there's the sort of rather obvious challenges of really, really missing the one that has died. Um, and I've realised over the years there are sort of different types of death. You know, sometimes you can hear people say it's actually a relief because somebody had been, you know, people who have suffered um, sort of for years and years and years, all sorts of disabilities. And when they pass, it's, you know, almost a relief. You think they, they've gone to, well, I think they've gone to live with our Heavenly Father and everything's wonderful, there's no pain up there anymore. Um, and then there's another sort, which is like old age, and therefore that's sort of fairly expected, although it's not nice when it comes. And then there's painful, you know, sort of ordinary illnesses and heart attacks and things where it's very quick. And you can include in that sort of accident, you know, like road accidents and things like this, somebody sets off in the morning and never comes home. Um, and these, obviously, there's a lot of shock involved in those sorts of death. And then, in some ways, the worst death for other people to get over is the suicide. And unfortunately, as everybody's read in the press and the media, suicides are up a lot, particularly young men. And, you know, mothers just sit there and say, what did I do? What did I do wrong? What didn't I do? And all these why questions come out, you know? So those can be particularly challenging from my perspective and from theirs. But that's, you know, I just sit there and the Holy Spirit puts all these ideas into my head that I pass on to the clients and, oh yeah, 
yes, that's just right, you know, and I think, yes, that is the Holy Spirit talking, so I don't tell them that, but uh, that's what I work on for So that's really, you have a tangible sense of God giving you the right words to say. Yes, 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 yes. Because I imagine, you know, in in both your situations, you're going to bring a level of your own experience. Yes. You know, and your own, I mean, you've got a long experience of also helping other people, so... I'm sure you learn in that process, but um, you know there must there must be moments where you're just sort of lost for words. Mm. Maybe that's a hopeful thing for you to hear, Claire. But when it comes your way, that the Holy Spirit is gonna yeah. to give the right words, yeah. you know. And so I suppose for me, a question I have is how working in these areas, whether it's to do with death or dying, you know, how that's impacted your own faith or your understanding of God your understanding of the world I think you know I have had very um very little experience of death really and I'm very aware of I don't know if that's a gift and a privilege or you know it's it's a poverty Mm -hmm. um I have experienced walking with very close friends of mine including you Claire you know through the loss of parents and um, but I think it's a whole other level when it's a spouse or a child. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know for me, I'm often at a loss for words, but the more experience I've had walking with people, <laughs> you know, the, the more I know what's, not, what's helpful not to say, I suppose, you know. But I, I was likening it, I was thinking, you know, I had an experience of um, the other end of the spectrum, helping um, women give birth, and I haven't given birth myself. But having had that experience, it gave me so much insight to God, to life, to suffering, to, you know, so many different things. So I'm just interested to hear from you both really, like what maybe your own experiences of grieving or your experience of working grief has taught you about God, has taught you about life. Um, Yeah, it seems a big question, but just, you know, whatever comes to mind really and um, wisdom to share. Well, I guess my biggest loss in what I felt a loss of was my husband. Um, Both my parents actually died in their 60s, so, you know, by today's standards, relatively young. Um, One of a heart, so that sort of went in about two minutes, and um, the other of cancer, and that took three years, you know, so... um, my husband was sort of in the middle, but he did spend the last six weeks of his life on life support. So that was, um, I think, retrospectively, that was a very useful time because I'd taken on board that he was never actually going to get better. You know, you sort of realise that over the weeks. I didn't think it at first. I was praying he wouldn't. But then I realised I was actually praying more that he had a peaceful death and his, you know, soul had a happy ending. Um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that you missed him in the house, you know, I mean, who's there to do things? Who's there to do all the stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to do the rubbish bins. It's all that practical. Yeah. Thing, you know. Because he'd been in the hospital all those weeks, I'd had six weeks to get used to that idea, so it wasn't quite as traumatic as it could have been, you know, so... Um, my young sister was an absolute shock because 
her husband took the dogs for a walk and when he came back she was dead on the settee. Um, so we had police presence in that and that sort of thing, you know. So there was another one that started out as an absolute shock, which it was, but finished up in laughing because we finished up going out for an Indian meal the same evening and happened to take the policeman with us. And he had to borrow one of my son, um, brother-in-law's sweaters to put on so he didn't sit there in police uniform, you know. So, so yes, you know, fun can come out of these things. I mean, what strikes me as you're sharing is, you know, the reality that life goes on. Yes, it does. Right. Well, I mean, I believe that life goes on. Goodness me, it's going to be an awful shock if it doesn't. No, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, and on two levels though, right? Life goes on in terms of the resurrection, but life goes on for those who are left in grief. Yes, and yes. you have to pick up things. And that's what I have to help. That's what you're helping people yes. with, isn't it? Yes, yes. And, and what's, what is your sense, I mean, maybe from the way the Lord's helped you, I suppose you're not able to share that in your counselling, you know, in what ways has your faith helped you move through those bereavements, or what advice would you give to people who are struggling to move move on or or struggling with that shock of life continues you know i think a lot of people feel that their life has ended and they're just going to exist and i do find i can help a lot of people actually move on with a, a new life you know we um i won't quote the bible i should quote shakespeare instead <laughs> and his seven stages of life now i've got an eighth one you know, it's where you've lost your husband and wife and life, or a child, you know, any sort of really close relationship. Um, and life does go on. It's another stage of your life. And I refer to people like leaving school and going to work, or if they're sort of at my sort of age, getting married, but now they usually have about a seven-year period of living together first, so it's not quite such a stage, is it? It's a, a general thing. But, um, yeah, it's another another stage in your life. And it's wonderful to look into, and I've experienced all sorts of wonderful things because of it. Yeah, so going back to that lovely phrase you said earlier, what did you say, that the wife died and the, there was the resurrection of the widow? Yeah. 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 So yeah. actually there's a, there is life. God's always wanting us have life to the full it was last sunday's gospel right. wasn't it yeah. jesus comes to to give us life and life to the full and there can be fullness of life even with the grief yes and alongside the grief yeah. mm. what about you claire what things do you feel like you've learned or understood about life or god i think one of the things that struck me most less about life and god but more about our society is that we we shy away from death Absolutely. And it is so much a part of life. Like it's, there's very few things you can't avoid in life, and death is absolutely one of those. Um, and it's not helpful uh, to be. It, people are fearful, and they are utterly at a loss of what to do. Just practically, like I've, I've worked with a few people who, I guess, in my sort of age, and they are having to organise a funeral for their parents where. They, they never talked about what they wanted. They don't really know whether they had a faith or not. Um, they don't know that they want to do the right thing. They want to give them the funeral that they would have wanted, but they don't know what that is. Um, so 
in the midst of their grief and their having to accept the loss of their loved one, there's also a very practical element to, I don't know what they wanted. Um, and that's really hard because I think what I do find is that people just want to be able to do this one last thing for them. It's, the, it's their last gift to them is to be able to say goodbye in the way that they would have wanted and to, to do them justice is the phrase that they would have loved that. You did them proud. Um, that kind of thing is, I, I hear that a lot as people are kind of coming out of funerals and they're saying thank you to the, the, like the mourners of you did him proud, he, he'd have loved that. And that's just what people want. They just want that last moment to, to gift their loved one this, this goodbye. And, and as a society, we, just, we need to be more open and talk more about death because it's, it's going to come to all of us. Um, and so I think that's something that's really been striking me is that we just need to normalise death far more than we have. We've become almost fearful, haven't we? Um, Something that I've thought about often is that for people who don't have faith, death must be so much harder yeah. to deal with. You know, yeah. um, I know in my family, my aunt left, lost her husband, her son first and then her husband. And, um, and I think it was very difficult for her to to ever get over it you know she does have a, a nominal faith but not a real you know it's like a real living faith isn't it that 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 person's with god that they're you know it's not the end you know so i think if, for those who don't have faith it it's so final and i wonder if that has the impact on why people don't want to think about it or we shy away from it and it's the same you know we were talking about earlier <laughs> my experiences of helping people give birth i think it's the same with birth that people don't we shy away from talking about it or people have a wrong view of it. And it's, when I've reflected on that, like why as a society do we, we veer away from the conversations around birth and death? I think it's because they're things we can't control. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. everything else is something man has figured out a way to control. And of course, I mean, you talked about, Elaine, must have been so painful, your husband being on life support. There are ways that we've elongated life or... We've made birth apparently easier, you know. Um, but I think it seems to me there's something deep in us as humans that it's a struggle for us to to deal with those things we, we don't have any control over. Yeah. And like you're saying, death is inevitable in life. Birth is inevitable in life, you know. Um, and these are really the things that are left to God, aren't they? For me, it's part of what makes me think I'm a Christian, that, well, you know, God's given me life and God's going to take it away and blessed be the name of the Lord, you know, in the name of Job's words. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's an interesting thought. And I think for people like yourselves who are working with us all the time, you know, we need to hear that voice, don't we? Um and we need to allow God to speak into that voice. And certainly I'm sure, um, I mean, you must have dealt with clients who are, you're saying faith comes often up, mm. you know, who are Christians and that you see the difference between those who have faith and don't have faith. Exactly, perhaps. yes, yes. I've actually had very few clients that think that they've put their loved one in a hole in the ground and that's it. You know that there's literally nothing else. I think I'd agree with that as well. That is, even though they've opted for a non-religious service, there's an element of 
Yeah, whether it's a hopefulness or just a certain sense of a spiritual world, there's there's something more, even if they're not going to go for the religion, there is there's something. And that gives me hope that there's perhaps an innate sense in us yeah. as humans of of the other, of God, of yeah. the afterlife. And it strikes me, you know, in terms of, you know, we're all members of Zion Community for evangelism, you know, and our desire is to share the gospel of Christ with people. But you're in situations where you're not explicitly able to do that, but you're able to see and celebrate the faith that you do see, yeah. you know. And I guess part of the challenge is to pray for the opportunities to to share outside of the constraints of your, your work. You know, I mean, I always pray for my clients before. Have I either of you had? Everyone, you know. Have you either of you had an opportunity to speak about God because God's given that opportunity, or is that something that that wouldn't be possible? Really, you know, that wouldn't be appropriate. It wouldn't be appropriate for me because whatever it is has to come from the client. Um, so no, I wouldn't. Um, but I have had a couple of clients who have presented with a Christian faith or a Muslim faith. And know. said they want to talk about those yes. things. And then you're able to, I suppose. Yes, but the rules say that I should recommend that they go to their church or pastor, whatever faith it is. But um, yeah. personally, I don't mind talking about it. But I don't think... It's not within the rules of counselling. Yes, and, of course. Well, um, and the counsellor's not meant to talk in any way, are they? It's meant to be about the other person. <laughs> we just ask the awkward questions. You know, the answers what about you, Claire? Yeah, I haven't. I I don't feel like I. It's an appropriate moment to be looking for moments to evangelise. The most I've managed to do is to be able to share that. Yes, I am. I am a Christian, also. So where. I had one family where the mother who'd, who'd passed away was kind of an unknown level of faith or not. I think they were possibly, if I remember rightly, they were Irish, so possibly baptised Catholic, but hadn't really lived any faith. The son had no faith, but his wife did. Um, and so there was a bit of a conversation going on there, um, and it was appropriate for me to kind of share, well, well, I I will be praying for her in that in there. <laughs> to, I just had this little moment with the with the wife, and kind of sharing. Yeah, with, I'll be there, pray as a praying presence too. Um, but that's kind of, but that that's totally in response to whatever they're saying. I wouldn't feel like it's my it's it's appropriate in that moment to be kind of looking for moments. I think what strikes me is you both saying you pray. And, yeah, oh, and, you know, so not yeah. to forget the power of prayer yeah. and the fact that Lord has got you in these situations where you're able to bring, you know, I thought it was beautiful. You were saying, like, at a funeral you would pray for the soul and at yeah. least somebody's prayed for yeah. the soul, you know. Um, so that kind of reminds me, the prayer, maybe we should come to an end of our conversation and, um, Claire, perhaps you'd lead us in prayer and lead our listeners in prayer. Um, just aware of, I suppose, all the things that this conversation can bring up for those who've who've been listening as well. Holy Spirit, we ask you to fall now upon all those people listening. And pray for those who are grieving in any way, whether that is a, an old grief of years gone by, 
or a very fresh and raw grief. And pray that they would know the gentleness of your spirit, the comfort of the Father, and the truth of the resurrection. We pray that in the midst of your grief, that you will experience life, experience hope. And we pray for anyone who is walking alongside people who are grieving. Lord, that you guide them, give them words to say where words are needed, give them the strength to just stand and hold their friends when that's what they need. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. for their time and sharing with us for their experience in this episode of the podcast we hope this episode has blessed you and we'd invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast so you know when our next episode is coming out should be um, coming out in a few weeks time as we continue our season looking at being in the world and not of the world the beloved ministry is preparing for our next retreat if you have been on a beloved weekend before The desired retreat is for you and the bookings are now open and so you can book onto that on our website. All the information can be found in the episode notes as well as the quotes that were shared during this episode and we really look forward to hearing, seeing you again (laughs) and speaking to you again on the Beloved Podcast. God bless you.